Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. Well, good morning. You can sit. <laughs> um, yeah, we're those crazy people that were wearing the upstate stuff last week on their video. Um, so I just want to take a minute. Um, Ron usually will let me say hi, which is awesome. And I just have to say, I am so glad that Brianne and then Josh had to talk in between that song and now because I was like, ah, please don't make me. Um, but I do um, just want to share and encourage you really quick with a few things that the Holy Spirit put on my heart for you guys. I'm so excited to meet those of you that we haven't had a chance to meet um, when we get to celebrate together and have cake. Um, but I'm so excited to see those of you who are still here because that's a critical factor, right? That you have been there when God gave me the word of the Lord that you're throwing rocks, right? You're clearing the land and you're doing the work and seems like no harvest, but you have to go through that, right? And then Josh reminded me of a word that I gave that said, it's time. It's time to expand those tent stakes. It's time to expand the vision in your heart. And, expand and that was the when they had 30 people that in was, that building. <laughs> that was a lot. I mean, that was, that was a lot this then, was, though. This is This awesome. section right here was fuller right now than what <laughs> it was. that was the at only the, section. At that, in that building, yes, yes. That's right. In the other building, that was the section. Okay. Um, but having said that, I really just want to challenge you because, you know, I have sat under Ron's ministry for a very, very long time. And one of the things that's easy to do is to allow it to get stale, right? Where you're like, I could give you the examples. I could tell you the stories. Like, I could tell you everything, right? Or I get to choose to say, God, touch my ears fresh to hear what you're saying to me today. Because if this is a service I'm in, then there's supposed to be something I'm supposed to take away. And it was interesting because when we were worshiping, the Holy Spirit brought two women to my remembrance in the Word. And one was the woman with the issue of blood. And I don't know where you are in the sanctuary, in your spirit, or in your walk with God, but I have a challenge for you to determine where you are. And in either case, like, press into God this way. First one is that the woman with the issue of blood basically had got a death sentence. Like, okay, we've done everything. This is still happening to you. Go home. Stay away from everybody because you're not allowed to be in public like that and wait to die, right? And there are those of you in this room, whether it's your marriage, whether it's a prodigal, whether it's your finances, whether it's your business, whatever that thing is inside of you, a death sentence has been given. And the enemy wants you to just hide and cower and wait. And it's going, okay, not today. Like today I'm challenging you, and I do have the word of the Lord, like a, a scripture I'm going to give you to press in and lay hold of and hang on to. But in that, today it's going, okay, so we're, if that's your position today, press. Press past the criticism, press past the fear, press past whatever's been said over you, and to touch the hem of his garment. Because his presence was there. This is the cool thing. Jesus, it wasn't like he said, be healed. He turned around and said, who touched me? So it was her faith that pulled from him. So you don't have to wait till the pastor touches you. You don't have to wait for us to pray. Not that you can't and not that we don't because we do. But having said that, by faith today, when the word is being shared, press. The other one is 
the woman who didn't go out into the crowd who we found at the well. And I want you to think about that today. That's what I was thinking about when you were singing that song is he went and found her. And today there are those in this room, and I don't know your names, your frames, I just know what God has said is he is, today is the day he's come to find you and sit with you and talk to you. To the point that the disciples said, do you know who you're talking to? Like, do you know what she's been through and what she's got? And do you think he cares? This is the amazing thing that the transformation in that woman's life became a testament to her whole community because she did have a history. And this is the cool thing. God didn't say, you're just nasty. Like, I don't want to be around you. I don't want to have that reputation. He said, you have had five husbands and the guy you're living with now isn't your husband. But it was like, matter of fact, he doesn't care where you are. He doesn't care what you came in with. He doesn't care what has been. Today is a new day. And so that's the word I want to share with you is there's two scriptures in Isaiah, if you want to write them down. This is my Bible, just so you know. The reason I'm saying that is because I was challenged this year because my walk with God had gotten dehydrated. And he told me to put my phone down and pick up my Bible. Because guess what? It's super easy to go find that verse. But you don't get to see all the before and after. And so much revelation came to me when I picked up my Bible. So having said that, today the first verse I want to share with you is Isaiah 43, 19. And this is real important because when God gave this to me, it challenged me because I was like, okay, I know that you don't contradict yourself. <laughs> but the truth is it sounds like it's contradicting yourself. And the first one, Isaiah 43, 19 through 20 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell, which means live, habitate, pitch your tent in the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. There's one version that says, do you not get it? Like, have you not heard what I've said to you? I'm waking away in the wilderness and a river in the desert. So first thing is, forget the former things. Like, stuff has happened. In the first nine years of this church, stuff happened. And he's going forget about it. Like, I just need you to like, stuff has happened in your life, in your marriage, in your previous relationships, in this community. He's going, forget the former things. But then when you go to Isaiah 46, which in my Bible is the next page over, says, <laughs> remember the former things of old. <laughs> it's like, okay, time up. Remember the former things of old. This is verse 9, 46, 9. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, those things are not yet done. If you come down to the bottom of 11, it says, indeed, I have spoken it. I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it and I will also do it. Yeah. So I said to God, okay, this does not make sense. The, here, forget, every, forget the former things. Here, remember the former things. I'm like, okay, help me out. He said, I need you to forget what you're supposed to forget, and I need you to remember what you're supposed to remember. Because stuff has happened in our lives. Forget the former things that have created offense and bitterness. Forget the former things that have created fear and distrust in your walk with God to go, I don't get it. We're not going to. When you get to heaven, you can ask him. But there's some things that you just need to drop in the I don't get it God file and put it away and let it get out of your heart. But what are we supposed to remember? This is what I love. God is the ultimate architect. He is yeah. building his church, but he drew the plans. 
Remember the former things that I told you. I gave you, Josh and Brianne, the infrastructure for what this church is supposed to do and who we're supposed to be. Remember, remember after nine years of everything that you've gone through, which you needed to create the foundation. Now the land is cleared. Now the tent is expanded. Now God's getting ready to fill, and this is what we prayed this morning, his latter temple, like with more glory than the former temple. So with that, this is what you need to remember. It's God's plan. He spoke it. What did he say to you? What did he say to you about your kids? What did he say to you about your marriage, your business, your walk with him? Because he's challenging you today to say, forget what you need to forget, but remember the word that I gave you. Which, remember, the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy immediately. It says the word sown, and he comes to take it. Every battle you fought, every adversity you faced have been to steal that word that God said, I spoke it. I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it, and I will see it through. So today, whatever that word is, and wherever you are, press in or recognize he loves you so much today, he came to sit with you. Put his arms around you, say, I get it. I know where you've been, and I know what you've gone through, but I have never left you, and I have never forsaken you. So open your heart and press today, because the word of the Lord is incredible, and I am looking forward to hearing it. So I love you so much. Go Amen. upstate. Amen. <laughs> We, we actually do wear our App State gear in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was, this was about mm, three weeks to four weeks ago, I had my App State shirt on that you saw, and uh, I'm walking out of this store, and others are walking in, and of course they have other garb that they're wearing, and somebody points to my shirt and says, App State, you from Boone? I went, no. I said, I'm from New York. I said, but I live in Atlanta. And they said, where's your dog's gear? I said, what's at home hanging up? And I said, I got my F-State gear on today. They said, okay. So, and the, the person was intrigued. They said, all right, you got to help me understand this. They said, did you go there? Did you graduate? I, no. All right, so what's the deal? Because we don't usually see people walking around here with F-State gear. Clemson, Bulldogs, Tech, you know, Alabama, Auburn. But I, this is, it, I'm intrigued. I, and so I tell them the story about Hope Church, right? I get into talking about, might as well. Since the door was open, I might as well talk about Hope Church, right? I said, there's an amazing church that is there in Boone, North Carolina. Really? I mentioned, oh, I never heard of it. Oh, well, you will. I said, I'm sure you'll hear about it, you know, but, but I said, we, we were there and they took us to an App State game. And I said, and now, you know, we follow App State every Saturday, you know, and we get upset when they lose and we get excited when they win. And I said, and so today I just happened to throw on because they were, it was a Saturday and they were playing. And I said, so I'm kind of sporting. Abstain while the person looked at me and they said, you need to get some dog's gear. I mean, you just got, and I said, I have it. It's at home though. I mean, it's sitting in my closet. I do have it, but I'm not, uh, today I happen to be wearing this. So uh, just letting you know, yeah, the community's made an impact on us, whether you, you know, you knew it or not, right? Yeah, this is a great day. Thank you, uh, Josh and Brianne for letting us be here because uh, this is, um, you know, I don't look at things like this as a coincidence of circumstances. Uh, as believers, I truly do believe God orders our steps, you know, and uh, I didn't know Josh for the first couple of years of his life. I, I might have known his mom, though. <laughs> I gave you the baby, but I've known him, I've said, almost his whole life, with the exception of I, I, 
I'm sure I knew of his name. I just don't know that we ever had an official introduction, not that either one of us would have remembered, you know, at that time. But it's interesting how over time, how God uses that, and all of a sudden, if, like my wife said, God knows the end from the beginning, which is why he tells you a step now, but he knows the 18 steps that are coming over a period of time, but he's not about sharing it with you. He just wants you to see what the big picture is and then let him order those steps because with each step comes growth and maturity that without it, you wouldn't be able to absorb or benefit in that next step. It could hurt you. Not that God's trying to do it. It's just you're not prepared for that. And I think about where we are today and I think about that first, matter of fact, I thought about when we were talking last night, how you had emailed me when you were in Florida about the idea the idea of planting the church. Now, I knew that he was in Florida. We had communication, and it was like, okay, where are you going to plant a church? And I remember him going, boom, boom. Why boom? I mean, that's a little bit of a difference from Florida to boom, a little, little bit, you know, ocean, mountains. You probably figured out there are a couple different kinds of people. Some who like to go to the mountains and don't like going to the beach, and some that do like going to the beach who don't like going to the mountains. I mean, it's, just, it's a different dynamic, you know? And I said, so what is it? He said, well, the Lord. And then he said, and my wife is from there. And I went, well, that's a good reason. I mean, those are good reasons. The Lord, right? I would say wherever he tells you, that's where you want to go. And your wife is familiar with the community. That's a good thing, because if you're not, you're going to need her. Because any place you go to that you're not used to, you need help, right? And all of a sudden in that time, and I remember the first time we came, I don't know how old the church was. It might not have even been a year old. Um, but I remember us coming and Josh and I and Andy sat outside, even though the church did have enough room for 30 people, and that's including children. Okay, it did. Uh, we sat outside and had our first kind of like leadership talk, you know, and it was so neat and we were so excited. And when we're here today, and we think about, this is nine years later. Look at this. And you who are here today and you've experienced and kind of grown with it and maybe you've been here for the majority of the time and you've seen it. Maybe some of you have only been here a few months or a year, a year and a half. You know, for us, we look at it and think, this is amazing growth of what the Lord is doing. And I just want to say to you three things before we open up God's word. One, you know, I want to congratulate you for sticking with the plan of God and not giving up. Okay, and I'm going to share why that's important in a minute. Number two, celebrate the faithfulness of God because he was faithful and, and, and will continue to be faithful, right? People have come and gone, people have stuck, but what it is today is not going to be what it will be in two years from now. And in three years from now, it, it won't be. Uh, it will continue to experience the faithfulness of God and blessing of the Lord. And the third thing is, don't forget to champion the cause of a living Christ. Because that's why you're here. He brought you together. It may have met a need, filled a gap, uh, allowed you to use a gift. God knows what he's doing. But the one thing that is sure from year one to whatever, however long Hope Church goes before Jesus calls us home, the one thing he has called all of us to do, champion his cause, right? Champion his cause because there's many folks just like you, whether they may be spiritual seekers that 
eventually came to find faith in Christ and you're here and you're enjoying it. My God, it's great. Or you were just looking for a church home or a place that experienced the presence of God or whatever it was that you were seeking. There is more out there that are still looking for that. God can use you, right? They would love to to know and experience what you have and just be patient with them and allow yourself to do that. Because here's the trends, folks. Remember, uh, in 2019, if you were aware, now we didn't have a pandemic in 2019. And why I say celebrate what God has done in his faithfulness is that in 2019, there were 3,000 churches in America that were planted. There were 4,500 churches that closed. That was 2019. That was before the pandemic. Just to think, oh, yeah, church plant, it'll grow anywhere. Yeah. In America right now, that trend is still existing. More churches are closing today than churches are being birthed. They are estimating within the next few years, America, America looks like it has about 384,000 churches from large to small home church, like everything you can imagine are factored in there, right? But they're estimating if we follow the trends of what we started to see in 2019 and then COVID came in, we estimate that in the next few years, 100,000 churches will close. Why will they close? Two major reasons. They lost people and they lost money. That's why. They can't afford to be where they are and they don't have the personnel. Why is that? Again, COVID, you know what happened, the trend. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. We look at it here today. Look around you and I say celebrate the faithfulness of God because 40% of churches in the United States of America have less people right now this Sunday morning than what they had before COVID. 40%. You're in the top 60%. I mean, it's, and you think right here in Boone, North Carolina? Yeah, you may not have been aware of it, but I wanted to bring those to you because we want to celebrate the faithfulness of God, right? And I applaud you and congratulate you for sticking with God, his plan, and each other because what you have is not as common as you may think. Father, we want to thank you so much for your faithfulness, and we give you, Jesus, place here today. Speak to us in these few minutes we have together. And Lord, touch our ears to hear your voice, the chief shepherd. And then touch our eyes to see what you're revealing and to see the opportunity that is before us. Because you've brought us into this place. I don't take that for granted. We celebrate your faithfulness, Lord Jesus Christ. And I applaud and congratulate the faithfulness of the people. But now our hearts have anticipation about what you're about to do. So help us to see it. Help us to hear it. And may it unite us to champion your cause until you call us home in Jesus' name. Amen? (laughs) All right, good. Hey, I got something that I want to talk to you about today. But before I do, I want to go into the land of imagination. I know you guys have very creative imaginations. Even if we've never talked, I know that you do. You've talked yourself into things you know you shouldn't have. You've talked your things out of things you know that you shouldn't have, right? You got, there's creative thinking here. So I want you to think about this with me. Uh, I want you to imagine with me first this beautiful fire pit, right? And this gorgeous furniture that's around the fire pit. And as you approach it, the furniture is turned backwards where the seats are not facing the fire pit, but the back of the chairs are facing the fire pit. You got that? All right, think about what that says to you. 
Here's another picture I want you to see. Imagine a beautiful bouquet of flowers that is delivered. It's brought to the house, and the bouquet of flowers is taken, brought right into the closet, and the closet door is shut. You got it? Think about it. What does it say to you? In both cases, what it says to us is we say, well, there's obviously a misjudgment in the positioning. I mean, the chairs are supposed to be facing the fire pit and facing each other. Why? Because the purpose of it is for communication. People engage. They talk, right? That's why, like, they like that. It's a great atmosphere. The flowers, what are they? They're there to encourage, brighten somebody's day. So you put it out where it can be seen. It's a misjudgment or an error in positioning. Why is it a misjudgment of positioning? Because it has a purpose that it was created for. And when you know the purpose, it helps to understand what the positioning is all about. Because other than that, we're just making it up as we go along, right? And that's why I gave you the imagination as you go, well, those don't make any sense. You're right. Just like if you had to scratch your head with your feet. It's not made that way. We walk with our feet, right? But what happens if your hands were your feet and your feet were your hands? Everybody knows that's silly. Yeah, it would be silly because the reason for it is, is they're positioned in your body according to God's plan, but the positioning is about a purpose that it's supposed to serve, right? That's what it does. I want to talk to you about that today. I want to talk to you about being positioned for such a time as this. Another thing is we could say it's divine positioning because to position something is the act of putting something in a certain place, all right? Why is that? It's arranged in a certain place or a certain location because it has a purpose. So the positioning is all about the purpose that it is to have, all right? Well, I want you to think with me. If you go to 1 Corinthians, if you've got your Bible, I know they'll put it up on the screen here for you. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, isn't it interesting? The Apostle Paul says this. He says, but now God has set the members, notice, in the body, right? Each of them in the body as he pleased. Are we here today... In the community that we're in, are we here today in this service? Are we a part of Hope Church just by a coincidence of circumstance? If you have the faith to believe in that, because that would require great faith. If you have the faith to believe in that, I bet that there's a paint factory that's here in Boone. You should probably go and blow it up and believe that when the paint lands, it'll, it'll, it'll be able to fall and make 7,000 Mona Lisas. And you go, that's crazy. I'm going, that's exactly right. And it's crazy for any of us to think that this was just some coincidence of circumstance that happened that just brought us all together from different places, different ages, different social backgrounds, different religious experience. This is not a coincidence. God has a plan. But in order for him to accomplish a plan, he has to position his people. Why is that? Because every one of you that are in this room today have unique giftings that he gave you. I didn't give them to you. Pastor Josh didn't give them to you. Your parents didn't give them to you. God gave them to you. You're wired the way you are by divine providence. That's a good thing. Because in that wiring, he wants to use that. So when there are differences that occur within a church setting, it's okay. Because God positioned the body as it pleases him. The hands are needed, but they can't be the feet. Try walking on them when you leave here today. Let's see how it works. You know, Some of you who have maybe been through many years of gymnastics might be able to do it for a while. I say for a while. 
keep it up. Right? Go ahead. See if that was the way it's supposed to be, and you'll figure out it's not. Right? So to try to fight against something that God has already purposed causes us to turn the chairs around and face a different direction than the fire pit. It causes us to take the flowers and put them in a closet when everybody goes, what, what are you doing? Well, I mean, this, my parents did it this way, so I'm just going to do it this way. And you're going to, that ain't right. Now, you all heard about the story, which, I mean, it's a true story, but, you know, now today it's much more well-known. But you remember the lady that, you know, back in many years ago, when they would get their pot roast, you know, they'd cut off, you know, these ends, of course, and they'd stick it in there. and they'd be, Well, the pots got bigger. And so one of the daughters, the mom's teaching her to cook and just gets out the pot roast and starts chopping it off. And she asked the mom, mom, why are you doing that? Well, because this is what you do. But, but, but I'm asking, why are you doing it? Well, this is the way my mother showed me. Okay, well, why did she do it? She's interested, right? You know what she found out? She found out they did it that way because the pots were smaller. Unfortunately, the mother wasn't able to answer the question. Her answer was, well, that's because that's the way my parents did it. My mom did it that way. Yeah, but, but I want to know why. Well, this, this is why. In other words, I copied something but I had no idea what the purpose of it was. The purpose of why they did it was to get it into the pot. Well, the pots are bigger, and she's looking at it, and she goes, that just doesn't seem right. The whole thing could just set right in there, right? And now, that's what happens. We just set it in there. We let it bake for however long. Well, I say, whatever you do with it, you know. It takes hours, and it smells wonderful in the house. It's just going, right? But we don't see that happening anymore simply because there was a reason why it was happening, just that the individual who was doing it didn't know why. It's kind of like church. There's a reason why it exists. There's a reason why we get together. There's a reason why you're here today and I'm here today. And there's something for us to do once we leave because the purpose isn't to gather together in a service. This is just a part of the puzzle. It's just one piece, right? There's something that we're to do. But if I don't see it, maybe the only thing I can answer is, well, because that's the way I saw it at another church. Well, why'd they do it? I don't know. Well, that's the way we did it in our home. Well, why'd they do that? Well, I don't know. And what God wants of us today is to walk away today with a better awareness that, do you understand from his perspective, each of you and Hope Church has been positioned at this season of time, right where it is, to serve a divine purpose. It's been positioned for such a time as this. Let me review just two people from the Old Testament, just very quickly. Remember, first of all, remember Nehemiah? Nehemiah is the cupbearer to a king, and Nehemiah, the, the Jews that were in captivity, were released, they're brought back into their land. And they're excited about being back, but then all of a sudden they get there, the walls are torn down, the gates are burned, and they're looking at the destruction and the devastation of the land that they came from 70 years ago. And they come back and they're going, oh my gosh, what, what happened to our land? And they start hearing about more of the Jews coming back to their land. Well, it gets to Nehemiah, who's before the king, and it grieves him. He's hurt. He's burdened, right? And the king sees that he's burdened and says, what's up, Nehemiah? And, of course, he tells him. And then the king says, I'll tell you what. Here's what we'll do. You go and help your people. Go ahead and rebuild the walls. You go ahead and do that. Uh, we'll help provide some of the resources. We'll get you some wood. I'll write letters to get you favor because you're going to have to kind of pass through these areas. And the Jewish people, they're not like 
recognized as friendly folk. You know, people would, so we'll, we'll make sure that there's open doors for you to, to, for, for transit there so that you can do what it is you're to do. And well, Nehemiah gets there and he finds out he's got this burden in his heart. People unite with him and says, let's do it. We can do this together. And they start doing the work together, kind of like building a church. Let's do this. Yes, there's a need. We can do this. And they see it. And all of a sudden when they start, they get opposition. They find out there's people there that don't like them. And don't want them to rebuild the walls. They want them to be destroyed. They don't want to rehang the gates. They want them to stay in just being demolished. That's what they want. And so here's what Nehemiah does. Notice I'll read just two verses. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 11 and 13. As a result of this opposition, here's how it's a, Nehemiah is saying, And our adversary said, They will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So in other words, there's a plot going on by their adversaries, that they think Nehemiah doesn't know this. We're going to sneak up on him, and we're going to kill him. Because what was the killing them all about? Caused the work to stop. See, it wasn't killing them because we just want to hurt them. It was kill them because these humans, these Jews, are rebuilding the wall. It was about the work they were doing. So if we eliminate them, it eliminates the work. That was the plan. Well, let me keep reading. Notice verse 13. Therefore, Nehemiah says, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. I set people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Wonderful. Nehemiah positions them. And needless to say, I don't have to tell you the rest of the story. The walls get rebuilt miraculously in 52 days. Gates are hung. And Nehemiah, instead of being there for just a short period of time, ends up being there for years. And I mean, worship gets restored. The ministry of the word. I mean, it was absolutely wonderful. But I want I want you to see this. When God has a plan and seeks to do a purpose, there is an adversary that would like to stop it. There's an adversary that plots against it. What does the adversary do? Cause adverse circumstances? That could happen. It's not really the adverse circumstances that the enemy is doing. He's targeting people. He's targeting the people who are to be a part of that because why? They're being positioned for such a time as that. And God will show himself strong, which is what happened in Nehemiah's day. Showed himself strong. Remember, after they rebuilt the wall, what they do? They got on top of the walls and man, they sang. And it said that people heard them all over the place, the region. Well, remember, these people weren't welcomed, but they came, did what the Lord asked of them to do and even more. And the whole region now is being impacted because of the joy and the worship of these Jewish people who are coming back from captivity. You've been positioned for such a time as this. Number two, remember Esther? Esther wasn't raised a queen. She lost her parents early. Her cousins raising her. And all of a sudden, the king one day, you know, things happen and, well, we've eliminated the position of a queen. But we'd like to have another queen. Who will come alongside and resume the position? So he says, I'll tell you what. An idea comes to him. Why don't you go out? There's some lovely ladies out there. Why don't you just bring them around and look at them and pick, pick yourself a new queen? Okay. Last thing Esther's thinking about is to be the queen, right? She happens to be one because of her cousin, Mordecai. Hey, this is going on. You need to come. Oh, no, no, no. You, you need to come. Well, you know the story. Esther gets picked above all the other women. So when Esther gets picked, she gets put into a queen's role. But here's what's happening while simultaneously, while this is going on, there's another gentleman whose name is Haman. 
And Haman is developing a plot against the Jews, of which Esther is Jewish. And developing a plot that he wants to eliminate the Jewish people there. Mordecai becomes aware of this plot. And again, the king's happy as a lark. He loves having Esther there. He's happy, but he, 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 he didn't even inquire about her heritage. He's just happy that, hey, great. Now, all of a sudden, this plot comes, and the king is about ready. He's going to let it go through because, after all, he's appointed Haman. All right, he's, I'm going to let him do it because Haman is saying that these people, they're wicked, king. They're, they're against you. And all of a sudden, Mordecai gets with Esther and says, Now, honey, listen, you need to go get an audience with the king uh, because you need to tell him about this plot because he's unaware. This is going to affect our people, of which you and I are part of. And her, she was afraid. She goes, no, I'm not sure about doing that because if I do, and he didn't stretch his scepter toward me, I mean, my life could be in danger. And here's Mordecai's response to Esther. Notice Esther chapter 4, verse 14. Mordecai says to her, For if you remain silent, though, at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. In other words, God is going to spare his people. You just won't be able to participate in it, Right? It's going to come from another place, but notice what's going to happen. But because of the decision, because you want to be silent, you and your father's family is going to perish. You'll be part of this. But, but he's saying, it's going to come. Why? Because he had faith in God. I don't know how it's going to happen, but God will cause it to arise. And then he says this, very famous, right? But who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Why did God bring her to be a queen? To honor her? to give her jewels, to give her a favorite place to live? No. The whole positioning of her being queen was to bring a deliverance to the Jewish people from a wicked plot. Again, you've been positioned right here in Boom, even Hope Church, for such a time as this. Think with me for a minute. Over the past couple of years, churches all over America Pastors, ministry leaders all over have experienced unprecedented challenges. Some of them, it's brought a sense of hopelessness and confusion. They don't understand. God, if, I, if you're in this, how could all these things be happening? Let me just mention a few of them. You've probably been aware of them, right? How about a global pandemic? How about social unrest? How about racial tensions that have escalated in different parts of the country? How about a war in Ukraine? How about an economic impact of loss? Remember, I'm only talking in the last two years. Now, I'm not talking 50, I'm talking two, okay? An econ economic impact that has caused the loss of jobs, businesses, and even churches. How about a rise of inflation? Have you noticed that it's kind of doing the thing, right? Okay, a, a rise of inflation, uh, advanced political divisions that are happening, uh, an explosion of cancel culture and woke culture, and then not to mention for Hope Church, a name change. And this is just in the last couple of years. And what has happened? The church has weathered through those storms. And the truth of the matter is, God knew about all of them. Why is the church weathered? Listen, because we've been positioned for such a time as this. We are the hope of the world. We are the light of the world, right? We are. Because in the church, you want to talk about diversity? There is no greater diversity than the church of Jesus Christ. Read the book of Revelation. Every kindred, every tongue, every race, what are they all going to be doing? They're going to be all gathered together worshiping the Lord, right? If anybody should know what it is to have reconciliation among ages and races, and it ought to be the church. 
You go, why is that? Well, because in the New Testament, Paul made it simple to multiple places. He wrote letters and he said this. Here's the deal. You're in Christ or you're not. That means, and he said it, this is what that means. It's no longer slave or free. So you can't, got to remove that. It's not about male or female. Can't say, got to remove that, right? Now, and, and it's not about your statuses, where you are in your community. It's not about that. Here's what it's about. Are you in Christ? Yes, your family. Are you not in Christ? No, we need to reach him to make him part of the family. It was very simple. And that's why he spoke so hard about don't let division in your ranks. Okay? Because God is the creator of all of them. And we are brothers and sisters in Jesus. I'm telling you, church, we've been positioned for such a time as this. So what should we be looking for? I'm going to give you three things that if you want to take notes, you can. What should we be looking for in this hour? If I've been positioned for such a time as this, you say, Ron, okay, if that's the case, help me understand what do I, I'm here for a purpose, but what is it that I need to see? What is it maybe that I'm not seeing? And I want to give it to you. And I bet every one of these you already know. But it's a great reminder for us. The first one is this. Jesus Christ is still building the church. Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, chapter 16, verse 18, to Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Notice the key positioning of Jesus' words. I'm going to build something. And I want you to know, whatever I'm building, there's going to be an adversary that is going to seek to hinder that building. Just like in Nehemiah's day, just like in Esther's day. But I want you to know that because I'm the author of the building, the gates of hell will not prevail. He didn't say they wouldn't attack. He didn't say that. He didn't say you wouldn't experience opposition. He didn't say that. He knew that that was going to come. That's the plan of the enemy. But he said, I need you to know something in the midst of all of it. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. I mean, think about it. The church over its infancy, since it's been born, the church has experienced death, decay, meaning leaders have died, apostles died, right? It's experienced decay. It's experienced scandals and scrutiny. It has. It's experienced some very difficult, challenging times. It's experienced pandemics. And where is it today? It's still alive. It's still breathing. It's still preaching all over the world. Now, I can just tell you, because being the director of operations at The Word for You today, you may have heard that things are really rough down in China right now. And what's amazing to us is we've got the millions and millions and millions and millions of people who have downloaded our content on apps, how they share it in every way they can to get it out. And then we hear, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing it. See, if we sit in a little bubble and think about just our problems that are going on and just our little thing, and we want God to be genie, not Lord, right? Just fix it, Lord. God's got a bigger picture. It's like, I'm building something, and, and, and you're part of it. You're a foot in the body. You're a hand in the body. You're a brick in the wall. There's a part that you play. I have positioned you. And it just so happens to be right now, you're in Boone, North Carolina. Can you choose to, to, to move? Of course he can. It's Jesus Christ. He can do whatever he wants, right? But he'll always let you know. Remember, Paul started, let me give you an example. 
Paul, in his ministry, multi, he went on multiple journeys to preach and establish churches. And you'll remember in Acts, one of those journeys, he assembled his whole team. And his goal was to go to Asia. We're going to go there, we're going to preach, we're going to plant churches. And all of a sudden, he gets a dream, the Macedonian call, all right, where in a vision, he hears a man that says, I'm in Macedonia, come here. And the Holy Spirit speaks to him to say, in one day, I know you've got your team together. Now, remember, we're, it's not like it is here now. Like, you know, they had to have boats, things. You know, the transportation was a little more challenging then than it is today. It's a little easier today, right? We could rent cars. We can, you, there's things you can do. You can rent buses. Uh, they didn't have this, this there. And roads were much more limited then than they are today, okay? So here Paul is charting a course. His whole team knows we're going in one direction and in a dream. God redirects him and says, no, you need to go to Macedonia. And he speaks to his team. They, people wept, but they went that way. Well, wonderful, because they established churches in Thessalonica. You saw the letters that he wrote. And then he went back years later to Asia. God gave him a green light to go to Asia because he had a red light. No, don't go. I, you, I need you to go in this direction. He goes to Asia, and what happens? He plants the church at Ephesus. Both of those are books you and I are reading from. But it just so happened to be that in the positioning and timing of God, God was, okay, I know you're going in that direction, but notice, now I need you to change, shift, and move here. God didn't give him three years in advance to plan. He gave him one day, a dream. And then he realigns his team to move in another direction. And out of it, we see fruit in both places. Why? Jesus is building his church. He's building his church, and you're a part of that building. Number two, we need to see that God is still using the church to impact people's lives. Not only is he building the church, he's building Hope Church. He is building it. It's a construction term. It's still underway. But what is he building it for? He's building it to impact people's lives lives. It's a ripple effect. There are more people here today than were here nine years ago. There are testimonies that are in this room that I am completely unaware of, but those testimonies are a result of how you being connected to a family, a person, a church, a service, a small group, something that, that came out of Hope Church, something that has enhanced or bettered your life. Because God's intention is for, through the church, to impact people's lives. I was a rock and roll guitar player, and we were very good at what we did, the band that I was in. And this guy, by a, not a coincidence of circumstance, I'm working the night shift, because that's what I did. We played at night, you know, but I'm also working with a company, and when the company, they shifted and changed my hours from nights to days to help, they wanted me to lead another division, but it was during the day, I get shifted. Well, this guy who came to Christ, I don't know, six, eight months before that, I don't remember meeting him, but this guy comes up to me and invites me to church. And he said, I remember when you were in concert at, and he named the venue that we played at. And I remember that venue. I remember walking with a Sharpie and I can't remember the hundreds of people that I signed autographs for that day. Never remember meeting him. Don't remember his face. He even told me what I signed for him. I don't remember any of that. None of it. And I didn't say that to him, but I'm just telling you, I don't remember any of that. And he's saying, hey, I'd like to, I recognize you. Would you come to church with me? I said, no, no, thanks, but no thanks. 
Do you think he'd stop? Mm -mm, no, no. Found where I'd go to lunch because the place that we worked had an area that they had a restaurant there. You get food, most, most of us, because of the time, it was just more convenient to go get lunch there than it would, or you could bring your lunch and they had a, they had a break room. But I, I would do one or the other. He would find what I was doing and take his lunch at the same time. Now, he didn't work for him. He wasn't under me, but he worked in the same way. I mean, it had hundreds of employees. And, and he just, you know. And it was, the guy was starting to get on my nerves of inviting me all the time, right? So I finally said this, and you got, some of you have heard this before. I finally said to the guy, I will go with you if you promise never to invite me after it. Now, he never agreed to that. He, oh, well. So I decide what Sunday that I'm going to go to church, and he asks me to pick him up. So I'll just meet you there. Just give me a, no, no, I, I, you know, I don't want to ride my bike there. It'd be great. Just could you come by and sure. I found out later the reason he asked me to pick him up was to ensure that I'd go. That's why he did it. I didn't know that, but he was trained people in the church. Again, great things about small groups, right? The strategy that are being. I picked him up. That service changed my life. I went to church there. I loved God. I didn't know Him. I genuinely had a love for God. I really did, but I didn't know Him. And that service, when I was there, I saw the songs they sang. I saw them raising their hands. People were weeping. And I left the church service. And in my mind, here's what happened. But it was the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But I didn't know that at the time. In my mind, I said, I thought I loved God. These people love him more than I do. I don't know what they got, but I've never seen anything like this. Right? That very week, in my apartment, I turn on the television. Couldn't tell you to this day who it is. Somebody's speaking. I'm listening, I'm standing there because my mother used to listen to them and tell me she's praying for me. And I go, thanks, mom, thanks, yeah, okay. okay. And, they're, and they're speaking and they said, you're right in your apartment right now and you can feel your heart burning right now. Fall to your knees, I'm gonna pray. Those of you, fall to your knees right now where you're at. I'm gonna, and I did, I fell to my knees, I prayed the sinner's prayer. That day when I went into work, that day, he came up to me, he goes, oh, you did it. <laughs> and I literally looked at him, I go, I, go, I did what? What did I, what did I do? He goes, you accepted Christ. And I literally took my hand. And I, I said, don't you go tell the people. I'm a manager here. And he's, I could see he's smiling. He goes, oh, it's okay. He goes, I just he goes, oh, praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, I'm not going to be like that. <laughs> no, I'm like that. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. See, the church impacts people's lives. Don't ever Look at how they initially respond and think, oh, we're not being effective. You don't know in the privacy of their own mind, in their own time, you don't know what the Holy Spirit is saying to them. And they could be blatantly lying when they say to you, that doesn't mean I don't believe any of that stuff. And they could be lying through their teeth because they know the conviction of the Spirit of God that's going in there. Or if they're, if they, if they're a non-believer, they, they don't know what's going on. Don't let those circumstances or the responses that they say cause you to think that Jesus isn't actively impacting the lives of people. He is. Jesus is still building the church. He is actively impacting the lives of people. I want to say one thing to you before I close and bring it to our last point, and that's this. In the church, and I'm including myself, leaders, pastors, ministers, small group leaders, men, women, adults, teenagers, kids. We're still human. That's right. All right? And with humanity, 
We have weaknesses. We have faults. Okay? I'm going to make a statement to you. You will not experience the glory of God unless you're willing to bump into the clay of human weakness. I'm going to say it again. You will not see the glory of God unless you're willing to bump into the clay of human weakness. Why? That's by God's design. God said, notice 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, of which there was a mess going on there. A mess. I mean, within the church, uh, it was an absolute mess that he had to clean up. And that the leaders had to clean up. But here's what it says. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. What, what treasure? He's talking about Christ in us. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. You see, God will always work to help you overcome things. He will. But as long as you're here, until your body gets transformed and you go to heaven, you will always have weaknesses. You're always going to have faults. You're always going to make mistakes. Our dilemma in the church is what restricts ministry is we expect people to be perfect. They're not. They're not. And that's the beauty. When they're not, it causes us then through truly the love of Christ to embrace each other more and help each other through it. Why? Because the one thing that we've got going for us that a self-help book doesn't have or an organization as good as it is doesn't have is we've got a living Christ that can help us overcome the weakness. But we've got to be encouraging each other. In, and that's why I say, if you're not willing to bump into the clay of human weakness, it's going to be very difficult for you to experience the all-surpassing power of a living Christ. Because you'll remove yourself from God's work. You'll remove yourself from God's body. Not that, I mean, meaning, meaning the, the gathering together. The, you'll remove yourself and you'll miss. There are people that have gone for years and years and years in the same spiritual state that they have been in because of the weakness of human frailty that they did not know what to do with. What do we do? We forgive. What do we do? We embrace. Embrace them, not the sin. We embrace because we all have weakness. And what do we do? We turn our hearts and our attention to God. Why? Because the church will impact the lives of people. And that, I can, I can promise you, your community out here, the last thing they need is a stenchy, staunch, self-righteous image that I'm better than you, clean up your life. That is the last thing they need. They need somebody that goes, hey, by the grace of God, you know, and, and listen, let me tell you, I, I've gotten angry like that, or I've done that, or man, I've, I've got some things in my life I wish I would have never done, but I'll tell you how I over, because they're all looking for how do I overcome that? How do I deal with it? Our answer is Christ. It impacts people. Lastly, because people are still searching, divine intersections are still occurring. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that people are in your community, maybe even here today. This I don't know if, if some of you is your first time visiting, and if it is, this is not a coincidence. It's not. It was a divine intersection. Somebody may have invited you. You saw a sign. I don't know. Maybe you decided this particular Sunday to come. But whatever it is, you made a choice. But God wants to do something in you, wants to share something with you. He does. It's a divine intersection. They still happen. We can't view some of these everyday 
all of a sudden things change as, oh well, because we're so planned that uh, it's got to be this way. It could be a divine intersection. And are we aware of a divine intersection? Which means if I am, am I open to hear what he's got to say? Or am I open to be a vessel that he wants to use? They still occur. Why do they occur? Because people are still searching for hope. Do you know they tell us today in the United States of America, I can't speak for the rest of the world, but they tell us today in the United States of America, and I literally mean today, 2022. What I'm telling you is a 2022 statistic. In America today, they say that 47% of adults report experiencing anxiety regularly. That has never happened in the history of statistic taking in America ever. It's on the rise. That's a shock. That means almost one out of every two people you meet. Didn't say they experience anxiety every so often. It says they live with it regularly. Why? Because they don't know how to cope with what's coming. They don't know how to cope with something. That's the stress. That's the pressure in itself isn't bad. Matter of fact, we have to have pressure to grow. But the anxiety that comes is unhealthy. Let me give you an example. You say, what's the difference? I'll give you an example. We have a guitar right over here. That guitar has strings. Those strings need a certain amount of tension. Without the tension, you can't play the instrument properly. Can't. It'll be, it'll, it'll be disastrous, and you're going to go, oh, please stop playing that. Because we all need a certain amount of tension that moves us forward beyond limitations that we, that, that we could say to ourselves, I can't do that. I can't. Yeah, you can. Any of you that have ever played in any kind of athletics, you would understand this, or you've played a musical instrument, you would understand this. I mean, you know, you can get on a team and be third string, second string, first string. What's the difference? Well, the difference is you, you rose to the challenge of admitting attention, right? That's there. I got to do something. And you press through it. So you practice more. You do. I mean, I know for myself, I did it for basketball. I would stand literally at the foul line and shoot like 100 foul shots. Just shoot them. So I'd get in the game. If they fouled me because I played a guard, I'd go... They didn't want to put me at the line because I was 84%. How did it happen? It didn't happen because I was just good. It happened because I spent a lot of time practicing day in and day out doing that stuff so I could take a set shot from the top of the key. Now, back then, it wasn't three points. I sure wish it was, but it wasn't. But I could be at the top of the key because I learned if I could do that there, I can do it here. Got the markers. Just do that. Yeah, right. But people would go, I wish I could do that. And I would say to them, you can. What'd you do? I said, I would do 100 in groups of 10. Didn't take, I mean, it's not like it took 40 minutes, maybe, if that. But I would do it after school, go, and I would do 100 shots. Just sitting, doing this. Because if I got fouled, I wanted to be dependent on. Which, you know, the coach would put me in the game. Well, in my sophomore year, I'm, we're playing a varsity team. In my sophomore year, I got pulled out at halftime. And I got angry at the coach. And I said, why are you doing this, coach? And I'll never forget. He goes, Yutsi, come over here. He said, I want you to look up there. And I'm looking up and I'm seeing the scoreboard. He says, what's the score saying? I told him what the score said. He says, do you realize you have more points on our team than the whole other team does? He said, it's time for somebody else to play, son. <laughs> yeah, see, you're young. You don't understand. People are searching. They really are. They want to better their life, better their marriage. They want to be able to overcome something. And what's going to happen? God hears the cry of their heart the pain they're experiencing. And he intersects. Even things I've said today, you may have thought, oh, I don't know why he's saying that. You could be sitting here. It's because God knows the thing you're going through and just wants you to know he's aware. 
and he wants to help you. It isn't because Ron is so smart. It isn't. I wouldn't be, I'd be clueless. But I can tell you, Jesus said in Luke 21, when he looked at the last days, verse 26, he said, one of the signs would be men's hearts will fail them for fear. I've heard so many people say, see, people are going to have heart attacks. They could. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said their heart, at their core, it will fail them. Why? For fear of what's coming on the earth. They're more afraid. They're looking to circumstances to bring them joy. Or they're looking back at what happened and they can't reconcile it to the future. It's just like it's getting worse, getting worse, and the anxiety builds up. See, people are still searching out here. They want hope. What a great name for a church, right? They want hope. Divine intersections, I assure you, will happen. Be aware of them. They're also looking for truth. Now I'm going to wrap this up. I'll give you two examples. I'll just give you the addresses, but you can read them. Number one. Remember Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. It was Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. Ethiopian eunuch, not Jewish, right? Was serving a prime leader. He's riding on a very, very wealthy, nice chariot. God tells Philip without telling him what, who. He just says, go down this road. Philip's going to, okay, look, just obeyed, just obeyed, right? Go to church, just obey, goes down the road, and all of a sudden he sees this eunuch sitting, and he's reading the book of Isaiah. And here's the great thing he did. He asked him a question. What are you reading? You know, it's interesting when divine intersections happen. If you ask a question, it would be amazing the kind of ministry opportunities that will come up. Just ask him a question. Don't go preaching. Just ask him a question. What are you reading? What do you like about that book? They're frustrated. They complain, oh, yeah, man, so, so what makes that so challenging right now for you? You'd be amazed at people who will talk. They'll talk. And they one said, well, I'm reading this, but I don't understand who he's talking about. He's talking about himself. He can talk about somebody else. Ah, Philip, full of the Holy Ghost, knows he's talking about Jesus. And he goes, and at that moment, he began to share Jesus with him. What happened? The man got saved, asked for the chariot to stop. He took him baptized him. As soon as it was done, isn't it amazing? God pulled a Star Trek. I mean, as soon as he gets done, he catapults Philip from this destination to this one. Boom, just like that. My wife has said to me, I wish we had something like that that worked like that today so we wouldn't have to travel like we do. I said, well, only God can do that. I said, I know they put it in Star Trek, but only God can do that. But that's what happened. That's number one. Number two, Acts chapter 10. Remember, Cornelius has a dream, not a dream, but a vision, and angels there. And says, hey, Cornelius, heaven's heard you, your prayers, you give alms, you have a fear of God, send for Peter. Well, remember, the guys come to Peter. Well, God's showing Peter a vision. Well, he's got a trance, showing him the vision of all the, the, you remember, the animals, and says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he goes, not so, Lord. No, no, no. What was he trying to show him? Well, those animals were unclean under his Jewish culture. We don't eat those things. Well, he's trying to show Peter something without telling him. He's trying to say, Peter... Now, because of the resurrection of Christ, all men, all people, that includes Gentiles, you can minister to, right? You can engage with. You, you don't have to just live on the Jewish, but he's not getting it. Three times God shows him he's not getting it. So finally God says, hey, three men are going to be knocking on your door. When they do, just get up, go with them. Don't doubt a thing. Kind of like Philip. Go down the road, just go. In other words, while you're on the journey, God's not going to tell you until the moment happens. He just wants you to obey. And if you will, he will use you. You will see more of the supernatural. Just let him use you. 
And all of a sudden, Peter shows up, and I love Peter. I love his transparency because he asks. Okay, he shows up. Cornelius tells the story. And so Peter's like, okay, so can people help me? Why am I here? Why'd you call for me? And again, Cornelius says, because the angel came. And he told me, you have words for me that I need to know. Ah, the angel didn't tell him. Why, Peter? Because Peter was the one called, like you and I, the church, to share Christ with others. Peter, and God interrupted Peter. Here's Peter sharing, and all of a sudden it says, and while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on the whole house. The whole house. Like, we love when God interrupts. Like, please, please, Lord, do. I was telling Josh last night, I said, it's been am- it's amazing. It's a pa- pastor, you know, your church grows, I mean, our church grew. We were one service, two services, then three services. Then you got to build a, 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 a building, and you got to put a balcony in. And, and it was weird. The weirdest thing is when they put the balcony in. I mean, we, I, I wouldn't, I can't recognize half the people that are coming to the church. You can't just. There's too many people, and you're thankful for it. But the things that happened that I heard about in the balcony, it was wonderful during worship. Baptist elders who would come to our church because we had multiples would come to our church and then go to theirs because they felt more of the spirit. I didn't get, you can get the spirit in a Baptist church. You can get it. I mean, anyway, anybody that welcome, it could be anywhere, right? But they happen to be gravitated to ours. And wouldn't you know, just like God, they spoke against tongues their whole life. And just like God in the worship service, zapped them in the balcony, speaking in other tongues. I didn't know that. How do I know? We're in work. I have no idea. I just remember after the service, both of them come up to me to the front. They stood in front of me and they said, what did you do? What are you talking about? What did you do? We were in the balcony. We were, we were singing, and all of a sudden, this, this language came out of us. I went, oh, my gosh. That, that happened. I knew who they were. I went, what are you going to say to these people? They said, well, we, we haven't figured that out yet. But, but obviously, something happened to us. Oh, and something that you talked about in a negative way for years. Yes. I said, I, I would count it as a blessing. God's just trying to get your attention. He can do that. Divine intersections happen. Don't worry about the results as much as you're open. What is Jesus wanting to do? Remember, what is he doing? He's building his church. Why? Because the church impacts people. Your life, people out here. And as a result of it being an impact, divine intersections are still taking place. My prayer, God, touch our eyes. Can I pray for you right now? Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.